Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I think we all took an extra long breath this morning when uh, we woke up and found out what had happened in Edmonton last night. Of course, the people in Edmonton probably knew a lot earlier than the rest of us because they lived through the uh, terror attack. And now the uh, investigation is underway in the Alberta capital. Police officer was stabbed. Four pedestrians were hit by uh, a U-Haul truck last night. 30-year-old Edmonton man is in custody. Police believe that he acted alone, but nobody is saying for sure. So a lot of investigating still to take place, and I understand that the chief, the Edmonton chief of police, will be holding a news conference later on or making a statement later on today. We have uh, guests to deal with the issue of terrorism and urban terrorism as we go through this hour, but we'll begin with uh, Julia Wong, Global News reporter who uh, joins us from Edmonton. Julia, thank you for taking the time. Where are you now, and what have you been experiencing today? Well, over the last few hours, I've been at the site of where all the chaos ultimately ended. It's uh, just a, a block in downtown Edmonton where that U-Haul truck that you were mentioning earlier, after it had uh, struck a few pedestrians on the sidewalk, I'm at the site of where it ultimately flipped over onto its side, uh, where police managed to get to the man driving this vehicle and then arrested him, and he is now in police custody and so we've been here all morning watching the investigation unfold we've been here for several hours um, watching investigators they've blocked off a large portion of this road it's been shut down to traffic for quite some time and i imagine it probably will be for quite some more time um, but what we've seen this morning is investigators approaching this van while it was still on its side looking inside looking underneath it trying to you know pick up any details um, looking at it with a, a fine to- um, fine tooth uh, comb tooth if you um, imagine and just trying to get any details they can taking photos of this vehicle taking copious notes and we've seen throughout the morning them placing different pylons evidence markers on the ground and and snapping photos not only of the truck but of the the scene around it of the entire block that we have been on and not too long ago they finally flipped this vehicle back on its wheel attached it to a tow truck and sort of that's the situation that we are seeing right now. Julia does it feel somewhat surreal I mean we've uh, we've heard the reports We've seen the video of similar situations that are taking place in in Europe, but here you are in a Canadian city, in the capital city of, of Alberta, and it's it's happened there. Does it does it feel surreal that it that it's happened in Canada in the in the same sort of format that we've seen in the in in Europe? 
Yeah, in some respects, you know, everyone always says you never imagine that it can happen to you. It can, you can never imagine that will happen to your city. And that's sort of what a lot of Edmontonians are processing right now. The fact that something of this scale and magnitude has happened in our city and not just in one spot. Now, this is um, an attack that really wound its way through our city, starting in one section of it at a football game. And then that progressed into a police chase that wound its way through the city and then into downtown. So it's a large chunk of the city that has been impacted by this, by the folks who were at that stadium for a football game last night. So we're talking tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. to people who were wandering around the downtown area. And one of this is one of the busiest streets in Edmonton. So when that vehicle came down Jasper Avenue, which is what it's called, there were lots of people out and about. It was a nice night last night in Edmonton. And so the fact that it happened in very public, prolific spots is, it's something that everyone is digesting right now. And how are people uh, reacting? How are they adjusting? What are they saying? I mean, what's the emotional state of the people in that particular area? Yeah, so where we've been right now, so again, this is the site of where everything ultimately ended. It's actually just in front of a hotel. So we've seen lots of people coming out of the hotel, curious about what's going on, um, some approaching the police tape, lots of them taking photos. And from where we have been stationed all morning, there have been people who haven't come as close as uh, the police tape, haven't come as close as we, where we've been situated all morning. It almost seems like they're a little hesitant to get too close to the crime scene, too close to where all the action ultimately unfolded and ended. And so it seems to be a sort of a mix of curious and, and hesitant, but everyone, you know, wants to know how and why this ended up happening in our city. And uh, the hows and the whys will be explained over time, and the chief of police will be holding a, either a news conference or making a statement later on today. Julia, thank you so much for the time. All right, thank you. Julia Wong from Global News, Global National, on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We're joined now by Sergeant Mike Elliott, Vice President of the Alberta Federation of Police Associations. He's also a sergeant with the Edmonton Police Service. Sergeant Elliott, what's the mood on the police force in, 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 uh, in Edmonton today after the attack on one of your fellow officers? Well, uh, good morning, Roy. And uh, I just want to say, first and foremost, um, our thoughts and prayers go out to the uh, member involved and also to the uh, citizens of Edmonton who had to endure the uh, tragic events of uh, early last night. Um, for the members on the street, it's a lot of it, um, from, from what I can feel, is that there's a lot of uh, shock, um, total surprise, and uh, just just like the citizens of Edmonton, but our country, the questions are being asked, why? And other questions are being raised about, well, who is this gentleman? Um, what's his background? Was he known to police? Were, was he on uh, being watched? And these are questions that um, we're still trying to seek out as a police agency, and also members of the public are trying to um, obtain the same information. Um. I understood earlier, I heard a report that he was known to police, but we also heard that he was displaying an ISIS flag during the terror attack. And it leads a number of people to send emails, and uh, one of them was that the individual might not have been as closely watched as clearly has proven to be necessary. And then someone had a very unusual question, or maybe not so unusual, but unexpected, and that is, could somebody like this be actually an ISIS fighter who's returned to Canada. Well, these questions are, uh, there's validity to these questions because right now there's more questions than answers that we have. I cannot confirm if um, this suspect that we have in custody has actually been known to police um, because uh, to give you uh, some insight, like 
the I, the registered owner of the vehicle, his um, identity was provided to the police so we can try to look for him. But the pl- person that we have in custody, I cannot confirm if that's indeed one and the same, if that's the registered owner of that vehicle is actually the person that we have in custody. And uh, I don't have that information to provide. And the answer to your second part, was he known to police? Uh, that I can answer. I cannot answer either. That's part of the ongoing investigation. And um, unfortunately, I, I can't divulge that uh, information. Sergeant Elliott, does this change anything in the way that policing has to be carried out? It, most officers now uh, patrol alone. Is it going to become necessary if uh, if terror attacks continue, and we, uh, we're told by experts that they likely will, uh, that it's going to become necessary for police officers to patrol in, in teams again. Well, it's then we got to realize too. This occurred at a, it was called a special duty event, and this is where um, police are actually hired to do work, special events such as hockey games, football games, etc. I can tell you from uh, working on the street standpoint, uh, we have an agreement with the uh, our eminent police that we uh, put out a certain percentage of two-person vehicles. Uh, specifically on the night shift, what we call our midnight shift and late third watch is when a shift goes from um, 5 p.m. until like 2, 3, or 4 in the morning, and especially uh, the midnight shift from 9 o'clock until 8 in the morning. The majority of vehicles that we put on the street are two-person vehicles, and that's just for officer safety alone. So we realize we're we're not ignorant to the fact that these occurrences are occurring, especially in Europe that we see, uh, unfortunately, on a regular basis here now. And... um, I just think it was only a matter of time before something occurred, I'll say, in Western Canada. Uh, we know there's been arrests made in, in Ontario um, from people um, trying to like go overseas or trying to um, you know, blow up uh, things within Toronto, for example. Um, so it, it's unfortunate, but it doesn't shock me or surprise me that an event has unfolded here in Western Canada. When these events do take place, it, of course, affects the direct police community, the the nucleus of the police community directly, but it also affects the families of police officers tremendously. And and, and it changes, I, I think it changes, does it not change the dynamic of the police families? The question one and question two is, are, do you find that people in the community become more close to their police and, and more appreciative of the work that you're doing after an event like this? Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with you, Roy, that the community does come apart because we just got to realize, too, that when events like these do occur, they're very rare and do not occur on a regular basis, and thank God for that. But when they do occur, we have to realize that we have to come together as a community because if if we do not come together as a community, um, from my perspective, the, the people that do these uh, terrorist acts win because they set fear in the community and mm-hmm. you question when anyone goes out. And I know, like, the next time somebody... Uh, um, the man and woman get get in uniform, go out on the street. Their families are going to be very suspicious and curious. Please be in contact with me. Let me know that you're okay. Uh, like my myself, um, I had family and friends reach out to me because all they heard was Evan, the police officer, was attacked last night, and they they were wondering, Mike, are you okay? And I can see this occurring much more often. But I can tell you, the public support, even from like social media on Facebook, Twitter, etc., uh, has been overwhelming. And we've even had um, citizens. Um, bringing food and and like cards into our uh, community station saying thank you for what you do and we stand together and that is what we need to ensure that you know we can move forward but yet we still have to be vigilant that these occurrences 
can and may occur again. So we have to be vigilant about that. All right, Sergeant Elliott, thank you so much for the time and uh, thank you for your service to your community, to all of us. Uh, thank you, sir. Have a good day, too. Bye bye. Sergeant Mike Elliott, Vice President of the Alberta Federation of Police Associations, is also a sergeant with the Edmonton Police Service. When we come back, we'll talk to Raheel Raza. She's an author, an educator, public speaker, and a consultant for interfaith and intercultural diversity. She's the author of Their Jihad, Not My Jihad. Think you can swim with the sharks? Talk with Mr. Great White himself, Roy Green. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show and listen back to anything that we air or download it on The Roy Green Show page on the Chorus Radio Station website, the station you're listening to now. One of the, uh, one of the sidebars, it's almost inevitable that one of the sidebars when it comes to an act of terrorism is that politicians will get up and they'll start to mutter things that mean absolutely nothing. And it's generally something like, we're not going to be defeated. Our values are not going to be uh, overthrown. Our, our strength uh, will, will pr- persevere. And, and people don't even listen any longer. I want to ask my next guest about that in a moment. Raheel Raza is an author, educator, public speaker. She's a consultant for interfaith and intercultural diversity. And her book is Their Jihad, Not My Jihad. Raheel, thank you for taking the time uh, to speak to us today on the morning after the terror attack in Edmonton. You wrote an open letter to Canadians in 2015, and you expressed concern about terror attacks here in Canada. Was this the kind of attack that worried you? Of course it is the kind of attack, Roy. Thank you for having me on. I'm so frustrated. I've been listening to the news in the morning, and I hear law enforcement saying, uh, we weren't aware of this. And, you know, I want to say, what what is it? Are you living in La La Land? The jihadists have long ago declared war in the West. How do we think that Canada is going to be immune? And you know, I've been saying this on your show and elsewhere, and we have been saying time and again that this is going to happen over and over again unless we do something about it. But, you know, it's the same old rhetoric that it's a lone wolf attack. There's no such thing as a lone wolf attack. Uh, you know, what is it going to take to, to wake us up to understand that they have declared war and that they're going to attack wherever they can? And we must be on alert. Uh, you know, I heard uh, someone say there's no need to panic. Yes, there is a need to panic. Uh, we need to be very aware that this is a serious problem, and it's not the first time it's happened in the West. Now they're doing copycat of the U.K. attacks where they can't get weapons, they're using vehicles, and so um, I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, because what I'm not hearing is what systems are being put into place to thwart further attacks, what is being done, is the community uh, standing up and saying we have a problem, and we need to track where the, where the radicalization is coming from, obviously, this person who was the perpetrator of this attack was uh, radicalized and you know someone has supported him he hasn't done this on his own so 
we need to talk about this, but now we can't because it's considered Islamophobia if you ask questions. So, you know, we can go round and round in circles, but I don't know what it's going to take to make us sit down and realize we have a problem. And politicians invariably react to terror attacks by issuing statements like, we will not be intimidated, we will stand strong, and we will defend our democratic way of life. And it starts to sound just like repetitive babble. It has no impact or influence on the terrorists, and it does little to really persuade people who may be on the receiving end that something of significance is being done to stop the threat of terrorism. Of course, it's all politically correct, uh, correct gobbledygook. I mean, what are the politicians doing? They've been romancing the vote for so long that they can't see beyond their, you know, navel-gazing. They can't see what the problem is. And we, as uh, citizens, as, you know, mothers who are looking at the future of our next generations, are the ones who have to call out the problem. And it's not the first time we've been doing it. I mean, for someone to say that they were not expecting this would seem to be naive, bordering on ignorance, Mm -hmm. because how can you be living in today's world and not be expecting that there are going to be more and more terrorist attacks because this is what they want to do? And uh, yes, they are attacking our values, but what are we doing about it? Nothing. Are we talking, well, are we talking about putting in systems? Now, look at the, the change that is coming in Europe. Switzerland is trying passing a law in which they are going to, saying that all the mosque sermons have to be, uh, you know, they have to look at them, and they have to be in the language of the country. In Germany, they have a law now that the mosque sermons have to be in German. Now, you know, we as Canadians love our freedoms and we love to talk about how important that is, I understand, but our lives are more important, right? So are we going to do something about, uh, you know, our, the attacks that are taking place or that are going to take place? And they are, unless we really, really do something, uh, something definitive, you know, a talk about real solutions, not just keep on using the same terminology over and over again. I wonder what they're waiting for. Well, this is what I had said years ago. Are we waiting for a serious attack? And, you know, God forbid that should happen. But the point is that it will happen because we are really asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what happens with the Muslim communities is that they fall, but fall back into this victim ideology because they've been told that no matter what happens, you must be worried that there'll be Islamophobia. You know, we've got uh, M1 Motion 103, uh, which is perpetuating this idea. I was in Ottawa and uh, giving uh, testimony about M103 just last week, and this is what, what, what I said. How can we talk about the real problem? Because now you've got this, that, uh, written up that it's Islamophobia to question. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- you know, people in Edmonton should they not be questioning where did this come from? How I think it's. I think. I think it's their responsibility to question. Of course we must. As Canadian citizens, yeah. we have every yeah. right as human beings to question the safety and security right. of our country. Rahil, I thank you so much for joining us. Um, let's hope. We should do more than not have to hope. But I suppose we have to hope that the people who have the opportunity to do something about this and to safeguard Canada will take the steps that are necessary and not just mouth platitudes. Always great to speak with you, Rahil. Thank you so much for the time. When we come back, Mubin Sheikh, he's an ex-CSIS and RCMP operative, and he's the author of Undercover Jihadi. Stay with us.